Thank you, choir, for sharing today and reminding us of the feast that we enjoy uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that doesn't include the feast we're going to have later, but, uh, but it's a similar feast, right? It's a, a fact, the fact that we are called to dine with Him and to enjoy the blessings that He has through the salvation that He gives to us. So this morning we're going to be back in our study of missions, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. Verses 6 through 11. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, we've so far looked at the fact that uh, God has begun the work of reaching this world for the gospel. And he began it way before we typically think uh, back in Genesis chapter 12 with the, the calling of Abraham and the calling to go into a land that he would give him. And God promised that through Abraham that he would bless the whole world. And God did that through the son of Abraham, uh, Jesus Christ. And then uh, we saw last week how God has given us the plan for missions in that he gave the instruction to his followers that they were to make disciples of all nations. And so today we're going to look at the pattern for missions and how God has given us a pattern for the way that we are to carry out missions in this world. And just to remind you, I've asked that you would consider over the next month uh, giving to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Every year, the Southern Baptist Convention holds a an annual uh, giving drive that they ask that members of the Southern Baptist Convention would give in support of international missions through what we call the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so our church every year gives a percentage of our budget to that missions effort. But I'm asking that you would participate in that as an individual member of our church by writing a check to Antioch West Baptist Church. And in the memo, you can designate it for uh, Lottie Moon. And my mic is really hot. I may have to turn this one off. I am pulling it, pulling it down a little further. Maybe I won't. Is that any better? That's a little better, isn't it? Um, but the, uh, we're, we're asking that you would give to support missions by giving, uh, writing a check and making it uh, payable to Antioch West Baptist Church. But in the memo, designate it for uh, Lottie Moon, and we'll make sure that that goes into the, the pile with the money that we typically give to support missions. And my hope is that we, each individually as, a, as church members, but also collectively as a church, will participate in the international missions efforts that our denomination has. And so as a part of that, I've, I've been looking at uh, the a- different aspects of missions, and today we're going to look at the pattern for missions. And so the questions that I want to hopefully answer today is what place is missions to have in the life of the church? With all the considerations that we as a church should give to serving the poor, to discipling our, our members and all of that, what place should missions have in the life of the church? And then secondly, where should the church go in pursuit of its missions? Should the church just be concerned about the, the community right around us or the nation or the world? How, what concern should the church have for the places we go in pursuit of God's mission? So to answer those questions, I want us to look at Acts chapter 1, verses 
6 through 11 as we consider the pattern for mission. So follow along with me as I read from God's Word in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. God's Word says, So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they uh, were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider your word today, Lord, we know that your word is truth, that it holds the truths for us as a church, and it holds the truth for us as individual Christians. And Lord, I pray that in both cases, whether it be in our individual witness or in our witness as a church, that we would take your commands to heart and that we would seek to live by them. Lord, give me clarity as I teach today and give your people receptive hearts that we might live in obedience to you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So in this text, I want you to see two points today. We're going to look at the time for missions and the places for missions. So first, let's consider the time for missions from verses 6 and 7. So at this point in the story of the Gospels, uh, Gospels, you know that Jesus has died on the cross and he has been resurrected. And after the third day in the grave, Jesus rose again from the dead, but he didn't immediately ascend into heaven. He spent about 40 days with his disciples, teaching them and reminding them and leading them in the way that they should go once he did ascend into heaven. So now he is literally at this point ready to ascend to heaven and his disciples have one last important question to ask him. And you notice that in verse 6, they ask him, Lord, is this the time when you will usher in the kingdom of Israel? So understand that what the disciples are asking here is a political question. Understand that they had lived their whole lives waiting on the restoration of the nation of Israel. The prophets had foretold that when the Messiah came, he would bring about the fulfillment of the promise that the nation of Israel would rule over the whole earth. And it was the hope of every Jew in Jesus' day that the Messiah would finally come in and he would drive out the Romans and he would establish a righteous kingdom and this righteous kingdom would rule over the whole earth. Their hope, like I said, was a political hope. They were looking for the Messiah to come in and to bring order and peace and righteousness and the world would be forced literally by the power of the Messiah, by the power of the state to, to bow the knee and to submit to the leadership of the Messiah. And Jesus answers them 
by saying, it is not for you to know the times that the Father has fixed by His own authority. In other words, it is not for you to know when God has purposed this final kingdom. Now this answer is helpful to us as believers in the 21st century, and it's helpful for us to understand missions for two reasons. First of all, this statement tells us what the church is not to be concerned with. The church, brothers and sisters, understand this, the church is not a political organization. It chaps my hide. It bothers me to no end that the, the pollsters and the media have come to call evangelicals a voting block, as if we're one party within another party and that whatever that one party decides, we do it and we gladly join in and do it. Evangelicals are not a voting block. They are a church. And the church is not a political organization. It also bothers me to no end that celebrity pastors will use their influence and their reach to promote politics. Brothers and sisters, understand that the church does not exist to influence the politics of a country. The church does not exist to bring about a perfect government. The church exists for another reason altogether. This brings me to the second aspect of this statement. What Jesus tells his disciples here tells us what the church is to be concerned with. When Jesus, in effect, tells his disciples that they shouldn't work to overthrow the Roman government or to establish a righteous kingdom, What he is saying is that this is God's business. Notice his answer to them is, it is not for you to know what God has planned. When God gets ready, when the time has come, the final kingdom will be here. And it won't be here because we voted in a particular way or because we implemented a particular program or because we elected a particular leader. It will be here when God gets ready to do it. And not before and not after. It will be here by His appointed authority. So what are we to be worried about or concerned with in the immediate time. Rather, because what the final kingdom is about is what God intends it to be, the church should be concerned with reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, you let God worry about His timing. Rather, you will be my witnesses. Your responsibility, our responsibility as a church is to be concerned with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the primary reasons that we exist as a church is so that we might tell the world about Jesus. We do that by our own personal life, in our own personal lives, as we witness to others and we live righteously before our fellow men. And we do this as a congregation. We do this, we're doing this right now. We're doing this right now because we say that this time right now in this hour is more important than anything else we can do today. 
We do this right now because we witness to the world in saying, look, I don't care what you say is important. I don't care if you think NFL game is more important than this. I don't care if you think that your job is more important than this. But right now, we witness to this world by being here and worshiping together. And we witness to this world by supporting missions. We witness to this world by being faithful to give and to go in support of missions around this world. The second point that I want you to see from this text are the places for missions. So we've seen the time for missions and now the places for missions. Jesus commands his disciples that they should wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And when they do, he says, they will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, there are four places where missions are to be carried out that you'll notice. I hope you notice from the text today. First of all, Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon his disciples, they will be witnesses. Notice that he doesn't say they may be witnesses or they can be witnesses when they get ready or from time to time they can be the witnesses that he has called them to be. No, he says that they will be witnesses. Being a witness to Jesus Christ is a necessary result of having the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ and you have His Spirit, then the first place that you are a witness is wherever you are. Because when you are in Christ, and when you have His Holy Spirit, you are a witness wherever you are. Are you an office secretary? Then you're a witness in the office. Are you, an act, are you active in a social club? Then you're a witness in that social club. Are you a grandparent that's helping to raise your grandchildren? then you're a witness as a grandparent to your grandchildren. Whatever your station or place in this life, by God's power, you're a witness. The second place that Jesus gives for his disciples is Jerusalem. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is where the disciples were currently living. So Jesus is charging them that first they are to witness within their own city. So by extension, the best place for us to start our missions effort as a church is right here on Sandcut in Georgiana, Alabama. We can look for new members of the community and reach out to them. And I've said this numerous times that if you have a new person that you want to go see and visit with, or you have someone that you've known for years that you want to go witness to, I would be glad to go with you. You just grab me and say on one Sunday afternoon, Brother Nathan, let's go visit with so-and-so and share the gospel with them. I would be glad to go with you every Sunday to go witness to someone new in this community. You are the ones who know who those neighbors are, and I would be glad to go and help you in that or encourage you to do that on your own. We can also do this by inviting the community to us so we can invite them to events like the fall festival and our Christmas play and our Thanksgiving luncheon and whatever else we are doing as a church. And we can bring the world to us through 
other means. I love the fact that we have a bus ministry here at Antioch West and that we go out into the community and bring people to us. The third place that Jesus says that we should go is to Judea and Samaria. Now, Judea was the province in which Jerusalem was and where these disciples lived. And Samaria was the province just to the north north of them. So notice in these two uh, locations, Jesus is expanding out from the disciples' city to their larger area. So as a church, we should be concerned with the state and the nation in which we live. So there are a number of ways that we can do this. We can support organizations like the Gideons. And we can support them with our money, but more importantly, I think the Gideons would in our room would acknowledge they need people. You know, they need a younger generation of men to come along and help in the witnessing that they carry out. The Gideons uh, pay for and print and give out Bibles in schools and colleges and military bases and hotels and all over this world and all over this nation. And it's a great ministry that we can support to reach our state and our nation for Christ. We can also be involved with the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Program that we as Southern Baptists have. So we can participate in disaster relief and go into Mississippi and and other parts of Alabama and all over this, this region to help with disasters and help people in their times of need. And we can support planting other churches. We can support sending people out to start new churches in other areas. Finally, Jesus says that his disciples should go to the ends of the earth. So this means that the church should reach beyond its city, beyond its state, beyond its country. It should reach wherever there are people who have yet to hear the gospel message. Now there's a common exa- uh, a common objection that I hear when I bring up the fact that we should give to support missions throughout the world. And that objection tends to go something like this. We should, you know, Brother Nathan, we should be given money. We shouldn't be given money to send missionaries overseas when we have so many needs right here. You know, there are lost people right out our back door. There There are people that need care right out our back door. So why are we giving money to send missionaries overseas when we have needs right here in the USA? And there are two reasons that I want to give for, for why we should give to support missions throughout this world. First of all, we should give and go to the ends of the world because our Lord commands us to do so. Full stop. There's no really no other explanation or need to give a reason other than that. Yes, there are people right here in our community, in our, in our country, who need to hear the gospel. Yes, there are suffering people who need the love of the church right here. But, brothers and sisters, we can do both. We can help our community and our state and our nation. We can share the gospel here and we can support missions to the ends of the earth. We can do both. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Second, 
We should give and go to the ends of the earth because those unreached places out in the world, they have a deficit that we don't have here. You know what the United States has that other parts of the, country, uh, other parts of the world don't have? You. We have, if you think about it, you, you go on Google Maps and you do a five-mile radius around this church and your, your radius is going to include probably ten other churches. There are uh, churches all around us in this community. There are churches throughout this, the southeast and throughout the nation, really. And this, even though the United States of America is declining morally and the number of unbelievers are rising rapidly, at the end of the day, this nation has been reached with the gospel. I mean, think about the number of Bibles you have in your house. We have more Bibles than any other book in our, in our room or in our library. And most Americans have readily accessible access or ready access to the gospel through a Bible or through the witness of a church in their community or the witness of a Christian in their workplace. But people in other parts of the world don't have that. Not only do they not have a Christian to witness to them in their community, they don't have the Bible translated into their own language. And they don't have a church where they can go. And until they do, we as a church and we as a denomination should be concerned with sending people to do that and to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, our Lord has called us to go. In these last days, our task as individual believers and as a church is to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be found faithful in doing that. And may we be found faithful in supporting missions from here in Georgiana to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the charge that Jesus has given to his disciples. And Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful in our witness, both here in our community and our witness around this world. Father, as we respond to you today by considering the ways that we can give and go in support of missions, and as we respond in, uh, in uh, obedience to you in following after you, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts as we sing together and in this time in worship. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.